1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation.
1: Moderator for
0: tonight's
1: broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The thing about the range is it's always sunny and bright. No shadows to hide in. It's high noon for Wednesday, November seventeenth, twenty twenty one. Follow the podcast on the Telegram messenger app at t.me slash I'm Your Moderator, or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm Reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm Your Moderator. The Substack is I'm Your Moderator dot dot com, and the merch site is Cancel or go direct shop dot slash cancel dash Couture. Today is the 301st day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. Somewhere along the line, your own imagined glory and righteousness and intelligence convinced you that what the world needs is to be shown all of your ideas. And once they are, once we can implement those ideas across society, everyone would just realize this is the way forward, except it turns out That because of your narcissism and incompetence, you know, the very characteristics that convinced you of your intelligence and glory and righteousness. You made the mistake of believing that the slogans as handed down by the propaganda state media were in fact ideas you had and understood and supported. But the problem is you don't actually understand understand anything about them and when they're put into practice the whole world goes to shit now if you're beginning to realize that you don't have to go down with the ship it's not your ship and there's not going to be a lifeboat for you so get off and start swimming while you still can and it's not going to be pretty it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be comfortable But it's better than sinking. And all that's required for you to do that is to let go of all the stupid and evil communist ideas bouncing around like the unpopped kernels in a bag of microwave popcorn. You don't want to break a tooth. So leave all that behind and then make amends with all the people you have shamed and bullied and censored and tried to get fired from their jobs. And then you simply migrate back to America, where Americans will accept you with open arms and welcome you to rejoin the project of human liberty and self-governance. And then we can all move forward. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Wednesday, high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies! Welcome to the show. Maybe you're here simply out of a dark curiosity, but I encourage you to stay for the rest of this week, maybe next week, maybe a little bit of the week after. And by then, not only what I do, but what happens in reality, I think will very likely convince you that returning to America is actually a better option than remaining in your imagined communist utopia, that you're beginning to realize is founded on nothing more than lies and ignorance and corruption. And we spoke a lot yesterday of corruption, particularly within the Department of Justice serving at the pleasure of an illegitimate president and doing away completely with any constitutional safeguards that are there to protect the citizens from an illegitimate and overreaching government that is using its own law enforcement agencies to oppress its own people. Similar to any tin pot dictatorship of the past and any communist or fascist movement as well. And of course, those are essentially the same, and those are exactly what we are dealing with. So yesterday I mentioned running down the list of items that Merrick Garland would be asked to discuss the concerns about the memo he put out in response to a letter from the National School Boards Association where he implied that the weight of the law enforcement agencies within the federal government would be targeting parents for going to school board meetings to speak up for their children who were being mistreated by the communists who have infiltrated the school boards. And, hey commies, sorry, that's not a conspiracy theory. Infiltrating school boards allows That mode of thought to enter the minds of small children so that they can capture them in this Marxist philosophy that is becoming prevalent in our society. The critical race theory, the gender theory, all of the postmodern nonsense that is being taught to children who are younger and younger and younger. At the same time, those school boards are covering up actual sex crimes committed in their schools so as to avoid upsetting their ridiculous gender narrative. This letter was sent yesterday from Congressman Jim Jordan to Attorney General Garland. Last month during your testimony before the Judiciary Committee, you testified that the Department of Justice and Federal Bureau of Investigation were not using federal counterterrorism tools to target concerned parents at local school board meetings. We are now in receipt of a protected disclosure from a department whistleblower showing that the FBI's counterterrorism division is compiling and categorizing threat assessments related to parents, including a document directing FBI personnel to use a specific threat tag to track potential investigations. This new information calls into question the accuracy and completeness of your sworn testimony. On October 21st, 2021, you testified that the department and its components were not using counterterrorism statutes and resources to target concerned parents at school board meetings. Specifically, you testified that you could not, quote, imagine any circumstance in which the Patriot Act would be used in the circumstances of parents complaining about their children nor a circumstance where they would be labeled as domestic terrorists, end quote. You also testified, quote, I do not think that parents getting angry at school boards for whatever reason constitutes domestic terrorism. It's not even a close question, end quote. Later in the hearing, however, you were questioned about the department's release touting the inclusion of the National Security Division the departmental component responsible for enforcing federal terrorism laws, including the Patriot Act, in a task force you created to, quote, address the rising criminal conduct directed towards school personnel, end quote. You appeared surprised to learn about the National Security Division's involvement in the task force, but you avoided a direct answer to the question and offered no clarification or explanation for the National Security Division's role in the task force. We have now received a disclosure from a department whistleblower calling into question the accuracy and completeness of your testimony. The whistleblower provided an FBI email dated October 20th, the day before your testimony and sent on behalf of the FBI's assistant director for the counterterrorism division and the assistant director for the criminal division. The email, which is enclosed, referenced your October 4th directive to the FBI to address school board threats and notified FBI personnel about a new threat tag created by the counterterrorism and criminal divisions. The email directed FBI personnel to apply this new threat tag to all, quote, investigations and assessments of threats specifically directed against school board administrators, board members, teachers and staff, end quote. The email articulated the purpose as, quote, scoping this threat on a national level and providing an opportunity for comprehensive analysis of the threat picture for effective engagement with law enforcement partners at all levels, end quote. This disclosure provides specific evidence that federal law enforcement operationalized counterterrorism tools at the behest of a left wing special interest group against concerned parents. We know from public reporting that the National School Boards Association coordinated with the White House prior to sending a letter dated September 29th to President Biden labeling parents as domestic terrorists and urging the Justice Department to use federal tools, including the Patriot Act, to target parents. Just five days later, on October 4th, you issued a memorandum directing the FBI and other departmental components to address a purported, quote, disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation and threats of violence, end quote, at school board meetings. As the whistleblower's disclosure shows, the FBI's counterterrorism division quickly effectuated your directive. The FBI's actions were an entirely foreseeable and perhaps intended result of your October 4th memorandum. The NSBA board of directors later apologized for its letter to President Biden writing quote, on behalf of NSBA, we regret and apologize for the letter. You, however, have stubbornly refused to rescind your directive, even though you testified that the NSBA letter was the basis for your October 4th memorandum. Your directive to the FBI therefore remains in effect. This whistleblower disclosure calls into question the accuracy and completeness of your testimony before the committee. At best, if we assume that you were ignorant of the FBI's actions in response to your October 4th memorandum at the time of your testimony, this new evidence suggests that your testimony to the committee was incomplete and requires additional explanation. If, however, you were aware of the FBI's actions at the time of your testimony, this evidence shows that you willfully misled the committee about the nature and extent of the department's use of federal counterterrorism tools to target concerned parents at school board meetings. To allow us to assess the accuracy and completeness of your sworn testimony, we invite you to amend your testimony as to whether the department or any of its components has used or is using counterterrorism resources or tools for the purpose of investigating, tracking or prosecuting threats relating to school board meetings. In addition, to independently verify the truthfulness of your testimony and to investigate this matter further, we reiterate our outstanding document request to the various departmental components and ask that you produce this material immediately. Finally, we remind you that whistleblower disclosures to Congress are protected by law and we will not tolerate any effort to retaliate against whistleblowers for their disclosures. And that's signed Congressman Jim Jordan. So what do we have here? We have Merrick Garland being refuted in his sworn testimony. Now, Jim Jordan is being formal and polite and giving the benefit of the doubt to Merrick Garland that somehow his incompetence will work as an excuse for him. He didn't know what was going on in the Department of Justice under his purview, and he was just telling the truth in his testimony, even while he was trying to convince the Congress that Although his son in law had a vested financial interest in the continuation of critical race theory being injected into elementary school curricula, and even though the White House coordinated with the National School Boards Association, and even though he testified that the letter was the impetus for his memo. In addition to various media reports, which he would not name, he claimed ignorance of the Loudoun County School Board covering up the sexual assault of a female student by a 15-year-old boy in a skirt who was in the wrong bathroom, a.k.a. now just the right bathroom, whatever bathroom he wants. If you wear a skirt, you can go into the girls' room. With 15-year-old girls. Because all that it requires to become a girl yourself is to put a skirt on and say you are one. And that, to the child-brained communists in the country, makes sense somehow. Or, Or it could be they're just lying, like they do about everything else. They know that in their class of people, In their little societies, the right answer is, yes, that's a woman now. So they will say something that they know to unequivocally be false and ridiculous and immoral because it helps them maintain and enhance their position in the party of false decorum. But assuming that Merrick Garland is not incompetent, and trust me, that is a stretch. Merrick Garland seems to be one of the dumbest people on this planet. And it amazes me that that moron could have been on the Supreme Court. Not that there aren't others already. But assuming he's not incompetent, then he is simply lying to Congress and he perjured himself and he should be tried for that and either impeached or imprisoned or potentially both. But there is absolutely no track record of the Congress being able to go after these sorts of things, especially not with Justice Department officials and FBI officials. This stuff has been happening for years. And why is it That Merrick Garland feels so comfortable to routinely lie to Congress. Who's going to hold him accountable? That's the question. Certainly not Joe Biden. Certainly not the Democrat majority committees. Is it? Of course not. So he feels more than comfortable to perjure himself in sworn testimony before the Congress. Because that is more beneficial. To the illegitimate regime. And not only is the perjury more beneficial to the illegitimate regime, the story, when it gets out of Merrick Garland perjuring himself, will not hurt them as much as Merrick Garland having actually told the truth. And this is always how it goes they will lie in their testimony. Media on the right and independent media will pick this up. They will make stories out of it. And then the state media on CNN and in the New York Times and the Washington Post. They will all come to his defense. They will give a complicated and convoluted explanation for why someone like Merrick Garland would just never lie. And there's no proof that he did lie. And you know what? It's a complicated situation. And the thing that he said was that it's his opinion or that he could not imagine. There was no direct statement. And all the child brains will be like Merrick Garland wouldn't do that. This is not the Trump administration. What about when Trump did and? Eh. Okay, commie, tell me about when Trump did anything and then allow me to ask you questions that probe your understanding of what you're saying to me right now, because the truth is you're just repeating another slogan and everybody knows it, okay? That's why, by the way, that none of the communists ever talk to actual independent journalists and anyone who is actually on the right. I'm not talking about Fox News hosts like Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace is a uniparty communist. And it's also why the left-wing shows will never have anyone on to actually represent reality. Bill Maher used to now and then, and every now and then he still has... Some little segment of his show that makes the commies very, very upset for a few days. But last week, he just had Adam Schiff and Malcolm Nance on his show so that they could try to spin how they're not criminals. They haven't committed crimes against this country, and they sure have. But the reality is they prefer there to be. A murky and hard to understand for the child brains conversation about whether or not what Merrick Garland did constituted perjury. Then they would ever want to deal with Merrick Garland having told the truth in his testimony saying, yes, the White House directed us to use counterterrorism tools against parents speaking up for their children at their own school board meetings. And this is the sort of thing you can expect from a wholly illegitimate administration that is using the tools of government against their own people. And the against their own people framing is the sort of thing that used to be said about chemical attacks from Middle Eastern tyrants. Like Saddam Hussein and Bashar al Assad. Again, we are taught to believe that the United States simply isn't like that. And because we know it isn't like that, that must mean it can't be doing it. But what have we seen in the last 20 months? We've seen psychological and biological warfare waged by the American government and public health communities, the universities, all of the old guard institutions against the American people. They're using the Department of Justice against the American people. The CDC is working against the American people. And all of these people helped to steal an American election and seat an illegitimate president against the will of the American people. And that same illegitimate president is now bending over for China of course, failing to stand up for Taiwan because he has been threatened. Joe Biden is fully compromised by the Chinese Communist Party and cannot stand up to Xi Jinping. He doesn't even have the ability or wherewithal to pursue the origins of the coronavirus. And isn't it incredible that none of these people have pursued the origins of the coronavirus besides those true americans within the trump administration anthony fauci doesn't want to know the cdc doesn't want to know no one associated with the fake president wants to know so i guess it's just not important and then then to look tough yesterday after joe biden was thoroughly embarrassed on the world stage on monday night they have threatened to boycott the Beijing Olympics. You got that? That is what the fake president is doing to make America look like it's very mad at the Chinese Communist Party. Except what does that do? Well, it hurts all those athletes who have worked their asses off for their entire lives to be able to compete. And it hurts our standing in the world when there is no coverage of American excellence And instead, the Chinese just sweep all the medals. This is what the Chinese want. So our attempt to look tough in the face of Joe Biden's blatant and obvious weakness relative to Xi Jinping is to give them something they want, pretending it's something they don't want. And I want to read the document that was released by this whistleblower. This is an email from Carlton L. Peoples at the FBI to FBI Sachs, SACS, Jay Greenberg at the FBI, Calvin Shivers at the FBI, Brian Cohen, Timothy Langan, Kevin Vondran, all at the FBI, all. On October 4th, 2021, the attorney general forwarded a a memorandum addressing a spike in harassment, intimidation and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers and staff. The memorandum directed each United States attorney in coordination with the FBI to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal and territorial leaders in each federal judicial district within 30 days of the issuance of the memorandum. We share an obligation to ensure all individuals are able to do their jobs without threats of violence or fear for their safety. This can only be accomplished with effective coordination internally between relevant divisions and through effective coordination and engagement with our law enforcement partners and United States attorney offices. As a result, the counterterrorism and criminal divisions created a threat tag, Edu officials, Edu officials, to track instances of related threats. We ask that your offices apply the threat tags, investigations, and assessments of threats specifically directed against school board administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. The purpose of the threat tag is to help scope this threat on a national level and provide an opportunity for a comprehensive analysis of the threat picture for effective engagement with law enforcement partners at all levels. When evaluating potential threats, we ask that you attempt to identify the following. Is there a federal nexus? Are there potential federal violations that can be investigated and charged? What's the motivation behind the criminal activity? We appreciate your attention to this matter and welcome any engagement to identify trends, strategies, and best practices to accomplish discouraging, identifying, and prosecuting those who use violence, threats of violence, and other forms of intimidation and harassment pertaining to this threat. Now. It's important to understand that last part, okay? Violence and threats of violence have no place in civilized society, obviously, okay? What we have here is a conflation of a bunch of things with violence and threats of violence. Intimidation and harassment are terms that are used and defined however they want. They are relative terms. And if you think about the way these terms are applied in the context of social media censorship, you can see how much might actually qualify as intimidation and harassment under this overbroad definition. Is raising one's voice in a school board meeting intimidation and harassment? Is it intimidation and harassment to organize groups of parents to call for the school board member's ouster. No, it's not. Those are not intimidation or harassment. Those are normal forms of protected speech. And that speech is protected so that the citizens can redress grievances against the government, which is exactly what they're doing. And speaking of how the Judicial system is being used as a weapon against the American people. The Kyle Rittenhouse verdict is supposed to be coming to today, but has been slowed because jurors are concerned about their own physical safety. Black Lives Matter and TIFA domestic terrorists are already gathering in cities around the country in anticipation of being able to justify their rioting. With that verdict. And there are already reports confirmed by police of pallets of bricks being dropped around various cities, just like last year. And one of the funny things about last year, being among so many dyed in the wool Hollywood communists, is that when we would post pictures of those bricks, around cities where riots occurred, they always had some great excuse that they were just parts of construction sites and it was totally normal. And they kept those explanations going for frozen water bottles being hurled at police and for cans of food being hurled at police and for lasers being shown into the eyeballs of those police so that they could attempt to burn out their retinas. All of that was justified because of what the communists believe is racism. And when you get to define the terms however you like, and then impose social and financial costs on people who will speak up to disagree, you can pretty much justify and rationalize anything. And of course, that's exactly what these kinds of people do. And speaking of these kinds of people, I have found a new moral low in some of the sympathy messages i have received this week some of the very prominent hollywood communists who i used to believe were my friends have decided that this is an opportune moment to pretend that i am clueless as to what they did and what they have done and what they have said and The fact that they have tried to impose social costs on people associated with me for the fact that I stood up and stuck my neck out to express the truth as best I could discern it. We're talking about people that I have been on vacations with and gone to their weddings. And it's always like, hey, man, I know we haven't talked in a while, but i I understand what you're going through. So just know that I'm here for you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man, I can totally trust that. Oh, yeah, you're going to be right there for me, pal. Got it. And of course, what that really is, is these people who spent the last year calling me a domestic terrorist want to know that they are still the good ones and that they are big enough to put that aside in an important time and know that I really am in their thoughts. But hey, commies, I wasn't born yesterday. You can't slander me in a thousand ways and then tell me that that's just water under the bridge. And the hilarious part is like, am I a domestic terrorist or not? Because if I am, why are you associating with me at all? And if I'm not, doesn't that then mean that some people who do what I do are in fact not domestic terrorists and maybe calling everyone a domestic terrorist while defending actual domestic terrorists and justifying and rationalizing their violence might not be very honest or accurate? Also, if I take you at your word and imagine that you have even a basic level of human decency, then I would have to assume that you think that I am, in some measure, a good and decent person worthy of your very sincere and very well-written and effusive sympathy message, even despite the fact That I am willing to call out your blatant immorality and communism to your faces. Now, if that's the case, then you would have to imagine that good and decent people are also doing that besides me. But hey, commies, I don't want to confuse you. I know these are the kind of multifaceted moral judgments that you are not equipped to make. But I don't expect much from people so incompetent and so narcissistic that it extends right down to their most basic value judgments. It is pretty clear that what you're doing is trying to convince yourself that you are the very big person who's willing to put these things aside and then when i don't respond recognizing your goodness well that's just because i'm one of those no no people so here's the thing i'm going to pass now let's talk a little bit more about the illegitimate president that these child brains communists support and that of course is fake president Joe Biden. This is from the spectator yesterday report. Biden officials are convinced his approval rating can't get any worse. It's continued to decline since June. The Washington post reported Sunday that anonymous officials within the Biden administration believe that quote, the state of affairs cannot get worse. End quote for the white house. According to them, Biden and the Democrats have hit their floor in negative approval ratings. Biden's approval rating has gotten steadily worse since June. According to the Real Clear Politics average of recent polls, Biden hit his lowest average approval rating, 41.9%, on Tuesday. The president also hit the greatest difference between his average approval and disapproval numbers, a margin of 10.8 percentage points on Tuesday. In addition, Biden's average disapproval rating tied for the highest ever on Tuesday, 52.7 percent, matching that of Sunday when The Post reported that officials believed things couldn't possibly get worse. Similarly, 538's average of recent polls showed that Biden has hit his highest average disapproval rating on Tuesday, 51.7 percent. 538 showed that Biden had a 42.8 percent approval rating Tuesday, which is higher than his lowest ever, 42.5% approval rating reported on November 11th. The Biden officials told the post that they believe the president's position will improve as the supply chain crisis fades, inflation eases, and the COVID-19 pandemic recedes. Now, all of those three things have one thing in common. None of them are happening. (laughs) The supply chain crisis is nowhere near fading. In fact, it is only getting worse and it is only going to be felt as worse by the American people, even if they are somehow fixing the problem right now, which they certainly are not. The problem actually is felt by Americans later then the problem starts. There is a time lag there and a significant one. If you think Americans are going to find the supply chain crisis as having faded this Christmas, you are not paying attention to anything. So that's number one. Inflation is not easing. There is no one serious in the world who actually believes that. And there is no trend that shows that it will. There is nothing but talk from experts and very serious economists on the left who even have the temerity to suggest it might. In a sensible world, these people's reputations would be on the line for lying. But again, they have the state media propaganda to back them up. And in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic receding, That has become meaningless, okay? The coronavirus, the virus itself, imagining for a second that it is what they say it is, is not a pandemic anymore. And the truth is, the virus isn't the problem. The vaccine and the lowered immune systems as a result of the vaccine are the problems. This is not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It may well be an endemic virus that seasonally passes through our society. That is possible, I suppose. But there's no indication that what we are referring to as the pandemic and including all the knock on causes as a result of that are not receding in any way. The communists are still trying to get people to wear masks, even though everyone knows they don't do anything. They still want to enforce lockdowns and restrictions as they are in other parts of the world now. And they still need that justification for widespread mail-in balloting as the November 2022 elections draw closer. So the pandemic receding is mythological. Back to the article. Some experts have predicted that the supply chain crisis could endure into 2023. So, oops. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said November 1st that she inspects inflation to come down from its 31-year high in the second half of 2022. So, also, oops. According to the CDC, 68.4% of Americans have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine, yet the seven-day average of daily deaths from the disease remains around 1,000. But, of course, that's just a result of poor testing and poor medical data and tracking. And of course, we still have incentives for people to pretend that COVID is far more prevalent than it is. It's interesting that publications have not turned to the obvious scientific fact that natural immunity being stronger and more effective than the vaccine would lead one to believe that with the extraordinary number of reported infections that we have in this country that certainly don't cover all the infections in this country, we are well past the point of herd immunity already. And I would argue at this point that the likelihood is that herd immunity that we have naturally is being threatened by Degenerating immune systems as a result of the experimental gene therapy. The Secretary of State of the Obama administration, Anthony Fox, told the Washington Post that he believes folks need to calm down over their worries about Biden's dismal approval numbers. That's the main thing the Democratic Party needs to do. Stop bloviating over the sky is falling. It's not falling, he said. Biden has made some extremely tough decisions in his first year in office, Fox continued. And it's natural that the public will look at those changes in the composite and be somewhat skeptical of them. Yeah, that's the problem. We're all just confused. Biden officials were hopeful that the House's passage of the infrastructure bill would help improve things for the administration. But a Washington Post-ABC News poll taken after the passage of the bill showed that Biden's approval rating fell to 41 percent, with 53 percent disapproving. It was a new low for that poll. And of course, Biden's approval numbers are not going to increase in any legitimate polling from the passage of a bill that the country actively does not want. Which makes all this a really annoying framing. You know, someone like Jen Psaki goes up in front of the press and says that the American people support this infrastructure package and are now more approving of what the Biden administration is doing. But of course, that's not true at all. So let's look at some more polling. This was reported today in the Daily Mail. Only 40% of Americans believe Biden is in good health and voters are split over whether he is mentally fit to be president with three days until his 79th birthday, new poll finds. Three days ahead of his 79th birthday, a new poll finds voters are split on whether Joe Biden is mentally fit enough and healthy enough for the presidency. Only 40% of voters surveyed in a new Politico morning consult poll agreed with the statement that Biden is in good health, while 50% disagreed. Biden, who was the oldest person to assume the presidency when he was sworn into office at the age of 78, got a tougher rating when it came to his mental health asked whether Biden is mentally fit. Voters were close to an even split. 46% say he is and 48% disagree and asked whether Biden is stable. Voters are split again with 44% saying he is and 50% disagreeing. And if you want to continue on with the article, go right ahead. But again, these are numbers that aren't going to turn around. There's not a chance that a sharper and smarter and more knowledgeable and more eloquent Joe Biden will emerge, who is somehow more in control from his position as fake president. Like the rest of his numbers, these will only grow worse. Now, the real hard thing to understand is how there might be any chance that even 40% of this country is so ignorant and so dishonest as to be able to actually say that they believe Joe Biden is mentally fit to do anything. Joe Biden isn't mentally fit to run the frozen banana stand from arrested development. But I can imagine him liking it because there's always money there. Now, speaking of the coronavirus pandemic receding, the fake solution, the experimental gene therapy, that clearly does not work. It does not prevent infection. It does not prevent transmission. It does not prevent serious illness, and it does not prevent death. In fact, it increases all of those things. So whoops, I guess. But the fake solution ran into a bit of a roadblock over the weekend, and especially yesterday, as OSHA has announced that it will not be enforcing the fake Joe Biden vaccine mandate. This is from town hall. Katie Pavlich OSHA suspends the implementation and enforcement of Biden's vaccine mandate. After a series of court rulings halting President Joe Biden's vaccination mandate for private companies, OSHA has officially suspended the implementation and enforcement of the requirement. The mandate was scheduled to go into effect January 4th, 2022. On November 12th, 2021, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit granted a motion to stay OSHA's COVID-19 vaccination and testing emergency temporary standard published on November 5th, 2021. The court ordered that OSHA take no steps to implement or enforce the ETS until further court order. The OSHA website states. While OSHA remains confident in its authority to protect workers in emergencies, OSHA has suspended activities related to the implementation and enforcement of the ETS pending future developments in litigation. After a lawsuit was filed by a number of state attorneys general, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a temporary stay on November 6th, 2021, and said the mandate has grave statutory and constitutional issues. And the stay was just upheld on Friday. The White House has maintained the mandate is constitutional. President Biden has told employers and companies to ignore the court ruling and proceed with implementation. And why would a real legitimate president be so brazen in his attempt to thwart the normal checks and balances of our constitutional system? That's really odd, isn't it? That's the sort of thing an illegitimate dictator might do to attempt to hold on to power through the oppression of his own people. Now, I suppose it's possible that they might find a court that will reverse this decision somehow or uphold an amended mandate. But we've got to understand that they were already using extraordinary means to try to put this mandate into place in the first place. Okay, Joe Biden doesn't actually have the power as fake president to just issue decrees about what the citizens must inject into their own bodies against their will or be forced to stop participating in society. He doesn't have that power. OSHA also does not have that power, but it being so obvious that Biden doesn't, they tried their best to find a way to still enforce something they knew to be outside of their legitimate power, not that they haven't. And it's a shame that the dyed in the wool communists who pretend to know so much about history and government and society don't have the wherewithal to place this within an historical context. If they did, they might be conscious of the optics here. They are trying to enforce participation in a deadly medical experiment through wildly unconstitutional means. And there is no data anywhere that supports what they're doing. Because if the vaccine can't stop infection and transmission or serious illness or death, then forcing people to take it makes no sense. A normal vaccine, let's say, if there are those, is geared to achieve herd immunity and eliminate the disease. If it doesn't do that, then what we're talking about is actually a therapeutic. But of course, the vaccine doesn't actually prevent you from getting seriously ill. So calling it a therapeutic is also wrong. Ivermectin is a therapeutic. The experimental gene therapy is just a medical experiment. And they are preventing informed consent about what this medical experiment actually entails. And what the data actually says, they are hiding it and covering it up. And that is widely reported. That's not a conspiracy theory. And they do all of this in violation of the Nuremberg codes. So again, what is all this? And who are these people doing it? All you have to do is look at history and it's not hard to see. And it's especially funny because the very same people who are pretending that this is all constitutional and legal and necessary and good, were the ones calling Trump and his supporters Nazis for the last five years. Once again, their incompetence and their narcissism has gotten the best of them. They are clueless enough to not know what their own terms mean and too clueless to realize that the only people these terms apply to are them. But they'll find out soon enough. And speaking of how ignorant these communists are, this is from today in Just the News, Sophie Mann. Pentagon didn't delay sending guardsmen to Capitol on January 6th. Report conflicts with Pelosi narrative. Gosh, that's shocking. You mean the very violent insurrection isn't the way they've described it? for the last 10 plus months, man, I'm blown away. The Pentagon responded appropriately and in a timely fashion to urgent requests for National Guard assistance on the day of the January 6th Capitol breach, according to a Defense Department Inspector General report released Wednesday. We also determined that DOD officials did not delay or obstruct the DOD's response, reads the report. The report runs counter to the narrative that was spun in large part by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who repeatedly claimed that the Pentagon delayed the dispatch of National Guard troops. Miller told the John Solomon Reports podcast in an exclusive interview, and they're referring to former Defense Secretary Chris Miller here. After the report was released that it broke my heart to see the military which responded really with alacrity and professionalism just get thrown under the bus by the politicians. I was so naive. I couldn't believe it, he also said. When it comes to national security, I thought we were on the same team. I was really horrified that it had become so partisan. The report additionally found that Miller and former Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy acted reasonably in deploying an additional round of soldiers more than three hours after numerous calls for assistance were fielded from D.C. and federal officials. In March, then commanding general of the D.C. National Guard, Major General William Walker, testified before the Senate that the Pentagon unnecessarily delayed its response to the request for assistance from the overpowered Capitol Police. Walker asserted that the Pentagon kept help from arriving for hours when it might have arrived in minutes. Walker was subsequently interviewed by the inspector general, but the report found no evidence to support the claim. Now, isn't that amazing? Another person lied before Congress. It's almost like these people are incentivized to lie before Congress to continue destructive political narratives against their opposition. I once again am shocked. Now, also from just the news today, I want to briefly divert your attention to the slave trade that Joe Biden has erected at the southern border, which he has Intentionally left open, paying money to not finish the border wall. This is John Solomon and Bethany Blankley. Welcome packet reveals concierge travel service for Biden illegals, courtesy of nonprofits. Like travel agents preparing customers for a cruise, nonprofits working with the Biden administration have created detailed itineraries and information packets to help illegal aliens travel to wherever they want to go in the U.S., according to documents obtained by a Texas congressman often courtesy of American taxpayers struggling to pay their bills during surging inflation. Illegals are given free quality hotel rooms, plane tickets and transportation to the airport, travel maps and instructions to TSA to bypass photo ID requirements, according to the documents shared with just the news. Man, they're able to travel more easily than American citizens. I am shocked once again. The prototype packet, which was provided by a whistleblower to Representative Lance Gooden, undermines Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas's claim that the southern border is closed. Instead, it highlights an extensive network of nonprofits, corporations, and family foundations working together to circumvent immigration laws passed by Congress. You got that? These nonprofits are the NGOs that are set up by the global communists. Is that a conspiracy theory? Of course not. All you have to do is look into them and make no mistake. What we have at the Southern border is a slave trade. They are intentionally trafficking with the help of the Mexican cartels, immigrants of ethnic minorities into the United States where their labor will be exploited and they will also be exploited for their political power. And we are told we must allow this because to try to actually keep the integrity of our country intact is racist. And they say this while something like 70% of the women who make that trek are sexually assaulted as are kids, they're both being trafficked into our country and the cartels are making billions of dollars doing it. But yet we hear. That because the communists are so not racist, they have no problem allowing foreigners of ethnic minorities to be treated this way, to prove how not racist they are. And I should say stunningly, but honestly, it's not. The child brains also say that they are against open borders while supporting a policy, a set of policies That allows this slave trade to take place to the tune of two million plus illegal immigrants entering this country this year who are being incentivized to come here financially and otherwise, you know, because of climate change, any explanation at all to make them sound like the slave trade is actually compassionate is what they'll use. And open borders may well be the result of their overwhelming compassion, but they don't understand the concept of open borders. So they will tell you in what they imagine to be honesty that they don't support open borders the same way that they will tell you that the gates around their community in the hills are for their own safety because of how popular and important they are. You know, they can't let themselves be threatened by what's happening down in the city, especially if it's a blue city governed by corrupt members of the Democrat Communist Party. I mean, those places are legitimately dangerous, and these people should not have to subject themselves to that. But nonetheless, despite the locks on their doors and the security systems and the cameras and the gated community with a gatekeeper who checks everybody who comes into the community, applying the same principles to protecting our border, well, that's racist. The packet provided by Goodman to Just the News details a travel itinerary of a 46-year-old Honduran who entered the U.S. illegally in California, one of thousands assisted by the San Diego Rapid Response Network, which identifies itself as a, quote, coalition of human rights and service organizations, attorneys, and community leaders dedicated to aiding immigrants and their families in the San Diego border region of the U.S., end quote. One of its partners, Jewish Family Services, which did not immediately return request for comment, appears to have arranged the Hondurans' travel, according to the documents. The state of California, U.S. corporations and nonprofits, and the Biden administration are facilitating human smuggling and child trafficking in our country, Gooden told Just the News, they are allowing these migrants, many of whom are unknown to U.S. law enforcement agencies, to board commercial aircraft, creating one of the greatest threats to U.S. national security since September 11th, 2001. It is time for transparency and accountability for everyone involved in exacerbating this crisis, end quote, and the memo is linked. The packet reveals that the Honduran traveled north to Mexico and once there received the first dose of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine one week prior to entering the San Ysidro port of entry in San Diego on August 13th. The Honduran was processed by a Border Patrol agent and while in ICE custody, was likely connected to a JFS contact tasked with coordinating his travel. This included booking a free room at the Four Points Sheridan in San Diego, a Marriott-owned three-star hotel near the city's Little Italy attractions, and a free United Airlines ticket to Louisiana, the Honduran's destination of choice. Man, that's so nice that the uh, federal government is supporting the airlines, first with the bailouts, and now all of this additional business. It's so good to the airline. And it's amazing that when the airlines know that the government will give them illegitimate business, they're happy to scratch the government's back and impose vaccine mandates, even though they're unnecessary, unhealthy and unconstitutional. The packet includes a copy of a standard Department of Homeland Security I-862 form confirming the Honduran's illegal alien status and eligibility for deportation and that the Border Patrol agent followed the law to the best of his ability. The form states, on the basis of the foregoing, it is charged that you are subject to removal from the United States pursuant to the following provisions of law, citing Section 212 of the Immigration and Nationality Act. The most recent financial statement for JFS shows it got more than $16 million in government support and lists numerous services it provided, including refugee resettlement, legal aid and migrant housing. You got that $16 million of American taxpayer money was just laundered by our government through an NGO to continue the slave trade at the southern border. And hey, there's not just one NGO under the Trump administration. The Honduran was given a premier travel service experience through the network involving SDRRN and JFS, which have opposed Trump era immigration policies, including the remain in Mexico protocol. The RMP required those seeking asylum to wait in Mexico until their immigration hearing date. The Biden administration halted the policy earlier this year, but a federal judge recently ordered the administration to reinstate it. Have they done that? No, they haven't. And Alejandro Mayorkas just testified about these issues yesterday. He thinks that policy is immoral, but the slave trade is still totally fine. Just making them stay in Mexico while they get it figured out, you know, whether or not these people are actually seeking asylum, whether they are actual refugees or not. That part is just immoral. Not the slave trade. Just that part. JFS, which has described the RMP as cruel and inhuman, began receiving hundreds of people a month pouring into California after RMP was halted. Since then, working with SDRRN Migrant Shelter Services, it has helped thousands of people with case management, travel assistance, nutrition services, medical screenings, and financial support, according to its website. For the week of November 1st through 7th, for example, it housed 429 people, including 73 children, primarily from Russia, Ukraine and Jamaica. Well, that's odd. They're fleeing climate change in Russia and Ukraine. And why are any of these people traveling to Mexico to seek asylum in the United States? Why don't they just travel directly to a border authority, and claim asylum once there, you know, the way the system is supposed to work. It arranged their travel to 173 destinations in California in that week alone, and to 368 destinations in other states, also putting together travel itineraries like the Hondurans. The packet also includes instructions on how to check an immigration tribunal portal on the DOJ's website and call immigration court, how to find an attorney, and apply for asylum and a list of immigration NGOs, among other information. One paper in Spanish states, people released at the border generally do not have an automatic right to live in the U.S. and gives advice on ways to potentially stay in the U.S., including attending court hearings and enrolling children in U.S. public schools. Well, that's just fantastic. Another is a JSA letter addressed to TSA agents stating the Honduran is, quote, currently showing you all of their identifications in their possession, which should be adequate, end quote, and was, quote, recently discharged from an ICE detention facility and must cross the country to present themselves for an ICE check-in in approximately two weeks from now. The letter to trigger the waiver of TSA ID requirements is not dated or signed. While federal law requires all travelers in the U.S. to show photo ID and go through security prior to boarding a commercial plane, illegal aliens are given preferential treatment by the Biden administration. No lines, no photo ID and express security access. Former acting CPB Commissioner Mark Morgan reviewed the packet and said the TSA instructions confirm what he's heard from many CPB officials. Illegals are being allowed into the U.S. without proving who they are. Biden administration officials say that the illegal aliens are being vetted. Morgan told the John Solomon reports podcast Tuesday. That's a joke. There is no way that aliens from 150 different countries, 1.7 million of them, most of them in the last 10 months, that they're actually able to properly vet them to know for sure who these individuals are. We know that they're dropping their IDs on the banks of Mexico to come across and say, oh, I don't have any ID. So it'll make it easier for them to get across. So think about it. We do not know definitively who these individuals are that are actually boarding planes and going to every state in this country. If that is not alarming to every American citizen, then I don't know what is. And that's right. And now before I go, I want to check in with the pillow man. Mike Lindell was on War Room this morning talking about the case that the attorneys general around the country are bringing on Tuesday of next week. Okay, this is six days from now. This case is coming, and I want to play him describing it in his own words. When are the people actually going to see
0: the evidence that you're putting forward to these attorney generals? That's when this is filed on Tuesday. I mean, when are they actually yeah, going to be yeah, able to see they're, it? They're, so, they're so remember. we can have fights over we have fights over Thanksgiving dinner, right? The the attorney generals they're putting it up. Uh, they will be bringing it on Tuesday, and then uh, then it'll be all up for public to see. I will have it. We'll have it all up on Frank's speech. Uh, starting midnight on on uh, Wednesday night, all the way through, it'll all be posted there. You guys, this thing is uh, two inches thick, but one of the things, the lawyers made it so you and I could understand everything. This is non-subjective evidence. By the way, I will tell this to everyone, uh, the Cyber Symposium evidence is going into the Cyber Act of 2015 that was put in by Obama to actually go after uh, Donald Trump um, to use against him. This act got put in. So all the cyber evidence is going in there. That's separate from this Supreme Court case. This Supreme Court case is article four. This is evidence they haven't seen. This is right from the States, right from all the States. We've been working hard for four months since the cyber symposium, going to the States, getting their registered voters, getting their voter rolls, who voted, then what happened to the voter rolls afterwards. This is amazing. Um, you know, it's like, a it was revealed for such a time as this. The Supreme Court, this is so powerful that they're going to vote 9-0 to to accept it. I really believe that, Steve, because of everybody okay. out there, we need to put the pressure on them to accept this case nine zero. But for now, okay. put the pressure. I want every attorney general in this country to sign this, whether you're a Democrat yeah. or a I Republican. Think, I think, st- look, Step. St-
1: so I hope that helps you in your understanding a little bit And I want you to notice that Mike Lindell knows this situation frontwards and backwards. Okay, get over the voice, honestly. And as I say that everyone should go watch his interview with Donald Trump. It's like 35 minutes long and it's there's a lot of information there. It's a good interview. But it's funny to me that two of the most inaccessible voices to people desperately clinging to the party of false decorum are actually talking back and forth. But listen to what Mike Lindell just said. These attorneys general are bringing this case. It is all of the evidence. It is objective. It is verifiable. And it is all across the country. They have been showing this evidence to officials in states across the country for a very long time. The case will show what he says it shows. That doesn't mean that you can guarantee the Supreme Court will act on it. And it is possible that they won't. But we all should hope that they do, because if they choose not to. We live in a considerably more dangerous situation society and i don't think any of us want that i'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network i don't have a network Masked and lockdowns don't work they lied to you about a pandemic and joe biden will never be president goodbye Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your dot dot com. And the merch site is cancel dot com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time. Out on the range. moderator for tonight's broadcast. At <laughs>